The following podcast is part of the Joy Road Media family. Enjoy. Minnesota may be the land of 10,000 lakes, but we have 11,000. And guess what? Five of them are great. It's Great Lakes Celebrates with your host, Elena Gonzalez. Every week we celebrate noteworthy Michiganders. I'm Mike Bobbitt. Think of me as the salt in your better maid. And she's the bubbles in your burners. It's Elena Gonzalez. Hello, 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 Mike. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. We are... Uh, I don't know about in in your house, but we are getting ready for Easter. Yeah, I wanted to ask you that because you have more experience at this parenting thing Mm -hmm. than I do. Benji is two. Mm -hmm. Is it too early for Easter egg hunts? I don't think so. And I want to make sure that I didn't get the negative wrong. Is it too early? No, it is not too early. Okay. Um, Yeah, because I think that he may not understand actually what's happening i don't 100 percent know that i understand <laughs> what's happening and That's how a, any of this has to do with easter that is a great point and are the eggs like because then you throw in the easter bunny right who's is he collecting the eggs or is he laying the eggs i don't or- know i do have a newfound over the last seven or eight years, I think, appreciation for mall Easter bunnies, though. <laughs> yes. yes, you know where I'm going with this. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, take it away. No. So our our mutual hilarious friend, Sam Rager, you've been friends with Sam much longer than I have. So do you happen to know how this started? Because I don't I don't want to to steal that thunder if you do i don't know and i have to tell you i have specifically asked sam how many things in her head Mm -hmm. get started Mm -hmm. and i don't know that i have ever quite figured it out all i know (laughs) is that sam rager is magical she and her easter pictures are magical so she sets up an appointment to go uh i'm not sure which mall and i'm not going to blow up her spot but uh, and have a, a photo shoot with a, a mall Easter bunny who I don't know if they are if they are playing along with the bit or if they are caught off guard. But the photos that come out of these sessions every year are some of the most hysterical uh, involvement with Easter bunnies I've ever seen. My favorite, the one that stands out to me, is one where it looks as if she is... Uh, naked and she is holding up uh, like a a comforter uh, in that in that rom-com kind of day after way where it just sits right at the woman's chest and she's holding it and she's looking over at the Easter bunny in that oh no what happened last night kind of way it's absolutely great she is so brilliant. The year that she couldn't do it because of COVID, she did an homage to the Burt Reynolds Cosmopolitan Centerfold, where it's her <laughs> in a bodysuit covered in hair uh, with a uh, an Easter egg pose strategically. She's genius. Oh, she is so genius. Please find her, follow her if you are not familiar. Yeah. Um, Sam Rager. 
R-A-G-E-R, and on all of the things. Uh, find out where she's going to be next. I think uh, her business card should just say Sam Rager National Treasure. That is the perfect description. So what's going on in Michigan? Well... As we are getting ready for Easter, uh, a lot of other places are looking ahead to the summer. And one of the biggest things that happens every year here in Michigan uh, is the Cherry Festival up in Traverse City. Uh, I was just in in Traverse City a few Not weeks ago. Not drinking wine or Not eating drinking. ranch dressing, <laughs> right. as we found out last week. <laughs> but have you ever had cherry wine? Because Traverse City is famous for that. Surprisingly, no, and I and I love Prince. I haven't ever had cherry wine. Um, yeah, I was so excited because I went for breakfast, and uh, I wanted to get some eggs. I love an, I love an egg, and I saw that they had the salad on on their menu with dried cherries, and this place had an option of, of chicken or turkey. I was like, oh, yes, it is 10 in the morning, but I forgot that I can get cherries on everything here. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a huge salad and uh, and still got eggs, too. But that will be my commitment to the show is I will try I will try cherry wine and see if that. Uh, I may have some cherry wine behind us if we want to start day drinking. OK, OK, that, there we go. Uh well, one of the biggest acts coming to the Cherry Festival this year, Boys to Men. Whoa! You're a little bit younger than I am, so was Boys to Men a big part of your childhood? Boys to Men, ABC, BBD, the East Coast Family. Yes, I was I oh, wow. I was very much Boys to Men. I was so much Boys to Men that uh one of my last concerts uh pre-pandemic was Boys to Men at the Jackson County Fair Ooh. with uh, Color Me Bad and All for One opening up for them. Wow. Um, so I I have marked my calendar uh, because July 9th uh, at the Pepsi Bayside Music Stage, Boys to Men will, will be in Traverse City. The whole festival is going to run from the 2nd through the 9th. Don't worry if you uh, if Boys to Men may not be uh, on your on your hit list. They've got a ton of other stuff going on. They've got family friendly activities. Uh, they've got a very cherry flying pancake breakfast. Hopefully that means you have to catch them in your mouth. Uh, <laughs> a car show, a family sand sculpting contest, a cherry pit spitting contest. Wow! Have you ever tried to to spit? cherry pits i am the least stereotypical dude that you will ever meet (laughs) i not only don't find farts even remotely funny at all Uh but if i try to spit at all it dribbles down my chin i'm not a good spitter every now and then i have to spit out the car window and oh it just it's all over my car it's oh. i'm a bad spitter i would not be breaking the guinness record for this which is 95 feet and six and a half inches what i can't even i don't even know how long that that's it seems to me like that's just shy of 100 feet i, I think that math yeah. checks out yeah. yeah okay we'll we'll get away from from spinning have you ever done the cherry stem tied in your mouth not thing this is a big scam that i like to do i'll take one tie it in advance put it in my cheek take another one untied 
move my tongue to put that uh-huh. one in so it looks like I can do it like super fast. And then I'm like, I can untie him too. <laughs> and then I swap them back and forth. I have never revealed the secret to my quote unquote magic trick until just now. That's hilarious. How long have you had the uh, the tied one in your wallet? Not in my <laughs> wallet. If I'm eating cherries with stems, I know that that's going to come up because I'm going to bring it up. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> it's you're a comedian. You know what it's like to constantly do bits all the time. Yeah, all yeah. the time. Yeah. So that's one of my bits I do all the time. I love it. That um, I will never be able to do now. Yeah, now in that case someone listens now that to this podcast. Your secrets, yeah. your secrets out there. Try to try to get Mike out of some money for it. Um, right. Go along with the bit and, and bet him on it. This spring, a uh, historical marker to recognize influential Tejano musicians is set to be erected in Detroit. Some of the pioneers of the Tejano musical genre include Texans who migrated to Michigan in the 40s and 50s when the genre was just gaining in popularity. Included in those pioneers are a handful of Adrian residents who have been a part of the Tejano movement in Michigan and southwest Detroit from the 40s until now. The planned location for that marker will be in Detroit's Mexican Town Plaza, uh, and more information is available at michiganmusichof.org for Hall of Fame. Are you familiar with Mexican Town? Have you? Oh gone yeah, down there absolutely. Stuff? That was huge. We'd go down there with um, with my husband's family almost uh, almost every week for mm. for breakfast, and we would go to the bakery and uh, and get rolls and and cookies and all sorts of things for the week. And it's more than just a name. It's yeah. not you know it it's not just slapping a name on it it really is um a great sense of community Mm -hmm. um people take take pride in in their their area and besides that the food is just delicious yeah i need to get to that bakery so bad one of my co-workers brought in um it's like a leche cake. Mm. And I keep asking her, like, hey, when are you going to bring that in again? And she's always like, oh, they sell it at the bakery in Mexican Town. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm not asking where they sell it. <laughs> I'm asking when you're going to bring it in. Yes. Highly, highly recommend. There's a couple down there. Um, but Trace Leche Cake is delicious. And uh, Pan de Huevos was, uh, which is, I believe it's just egg bread. Uh, you can you can check my Spanish if if I'm incorrect. Let me know. Uh, but they were so, oh so good. We're so two good. weeks in a row now. Like me saying Gonzalez, <laughs> and then I realize I say leche like way different than you did. So oh boy, we're we're getting there. I'm from Troy, the city of tomorrow today. Is that really their yes. their slogan? Yeah. <gasps> I thought that was only in Tomorrowland. <laughs> <laughs> the city of Troy is Tomorrowland. Ooh. So when we come back, you have an interview. This sounds so cool. So meeting this woman is already on my list of, of wins for 2020. Um, spending time with Sally Moore uh, is who I'm going to be talking with. Spending time with her was truly inspirational. She is a very smart businesswoman, um, and she has really created a sense of community all around yarn. Wow. And I, I never would have expected it, but uh, I'm, I'm excited for you all to listen to this interview. All right, Sally Moore, when we come back.
Sally. Hi, Elena. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I am excellent. Thank you. I am so glad that you had a few minutes to to chat with me today because I've been waiting all week to have this conversation <laughs> with you. And I do not consider myself a crafty person, but I feel like I feel like that may have to change. Uh, so <laughs> we learned about you from a piece in the Detroit Free Press, or at least I will say I learned about you as a sure. piece in the Detroit Free Press. The headline says Detroit's only black woman owned yarn store weaves together art, friendships, and community. I'm not much for clickbait headlines, but that was definitely something I was like, oh, I, A, I want to meet this person. I want to know more. And I'm so excited to get started that I, I don't know which question to start with. So my first question to you is why yarn? I wish I had an answer. That's the one question I don't really have a strong answer for. I started my entrepreneurial venture mm-hmm. in 2015. I moved back here. I'm born and raised here I'm in Detroit. Mm-hmm. I moved back from uh, working in Manhattan. I say I slept in Jersey and lived in New York. <laughs> Because I, because I did, I was mm-hmm. one train stop from World Trade and and last in Weehawken, New Jersey, which was one bus stop from Port Authority. So, and I worked. My office was in Manhattan. I'm a litigation attorney by trade and career, and that's what I do here. That's what I did there. Came back in 2015. Was convinced it was like the dumbest, stupidest, most ridiculous move I could have ever made. I had finally made the quintessential worst possible decision. Good that you got it out <laughs> of the way. You know. Yeah, I, I, Everybody's got to yeah, do it right. at least once. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, halfway through life, you might as well <laughs> well get it get it done. But I thought that a manicure would make everything better. True story. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I'm just gonna go get a manicure, and then mm-hmm. it's gonna be okay. And then I was like, I can't, I can't go to these places. This isn't what I'm used to uh, because it had become a bit of a, a thing for me mm-hmm. in in New York. That's what I did on Saturday. And to be fair, passed about three thousand places because there was only one place that I liked for a myriad of reasons. Right. Um, and it was in Midtown, but you know, it just had the right price point, the right process, the right service. And I mean, I've always been, you know, a tried and true red blooded American consumer, but in New York, it was different. Uh, I got, I never wanted my own business of any kind, never wanted my own law firm, never wanted anything to do with all that responsibility. But when I got to New York quickly within six months, I realized I don't go to chain restaurants anymore. Everything mm. is a small business. Mm -hmm. And then you start to realize, I mean, you can't function in Manhattan without starting to realize what kind of money is flowing there. And I I was just like, I'm I'm a pretty exposed human being, but I was like, what do people do? How the heck do they afford mm-hmm. this? Because yeah. this place ain't cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's when I started to realize, you know, multiple streams of income. I, I share with people all the time, young people now, that money, people sleep, money doesn't. Mm-hmm. So if, you're, if you've got business in China, that means while America is asleep, you're up, it's daytime and, mm-hmm. and it's, it's eight o'clock in the morning and you're making money there. That these are the ways that you kind of create these insane amounts of money so that you can literally afford an ordinary, nice two-bedroom place that's going to cost you easily $1.5 million Mm -hmm. plus upkeep. 
Um, So, you know, that's what began to pique my interest, not so much the love of money, but just trying to understand how the world on a very practical basis works. So I come back here and by then I've bit by the bug of, if you don't see it, you just build it because that's what Mm -hmm. they do in New York. So 2015, Detroit was coming out of the bankruptcy to read the articles. There was entrepreneurial money, gold in the Mm -hmm. streets, not so much, but that was the story. a lot of support going on, Chase Bank and, and spearheaded by Jamie Dimon. They were bringing in all sorts of funding and programs to spurn entrepreneurship. I always thought, I don't know how I knew this because I'm not an urban planner, but I always thought that the borough model was a better way for Detroit to function. Lo and behold, it shows up in the mayor's, you know, repeated campaigns right. that, oh, you know, every neighborhood has a future or whatever the slogan is is Mm -hmm. and now saying, hey, we're going to work with the east side, the Chalmers corridor. We're going to work with this corridor. We're going to, you know, deal with Livernois and Six Mile. We're going to build up small business. We're 138 square miles. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to travel that far, let alone out to the suburb. So all of that collided in me beginning a venture to open a nail salon in 2015. The universe conspired against me and it just took much longer than I wanted it to. But it took just long enough for some time in, this is 22. So yeah, right at the end of 2020, I had raised a bunch of money for the nail salon, but still didn't have a lease. Something clicked in my head. There was a new pitch competition with an organization I was already being funded by, Mm -hmm. but this was a pitch competition. So I put together a pitch in late December of 2020 won the pitch competition in February of 2021. About two weeks later, there was a $10,000 check in my mailbox. And I was like, oh, shoot, I actually have to do this. I won this. (laughs) Like they gave me like, I mean, because other programs and and people who listen to this, you know, who want to be entrepreneurs in other other segments, they know there are Mm -hmm. all these programs and they're like promising you, you know, tons of money and da, 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 da. And then the fine print is you got to do this and you got to go through this hoop and check this box and put up this first, you know, and if you don't have a firstborn, you know, whose (laughs) last name starts with Z, Uh you can't get it. You find out there's all of this, this organization just said, you won, here, check, see ya. And I was like, wow. oh, somebody putting that kind of faith in you. I mean, it wasn't a ton of money, but it was more that these women, it was a women's organization and they were banking on me and backing me and I was not going to be embarrassed. Mm-hmm. So the world conspired. And after literally probably two and a half years of going round and round for no particular reason with the developers, uh, magically. April of 2021. My lease got fully executed. They did their part in construction. I did mine. I set the opening date as December 26th with or without certificate of occupancy. I was like, look, Mm -hmm. we're doing this. Go get them. Put together, you know, just a badass crew of women. That's part of the story. It hasn't been told and, mm-hmm. and people, for whatever reason, haven't gravitated as much to is the part of my story is that I built this predominantly with women. Um, my interior uh, layout and design person is a Black female with her own business. My project manager is a Arab American female who actually does project management 
as a hobby on the side from her day job as a banker. Oh, um, that's, that's, it, it, a, that's intense. Yeah, that is yeah. intense. But she cracked a whip and uh-huh. I told her what day it had to be done. And of course, all the contractors working for her were men, mm-hmm. but she did what she had to do uh, and got it done. A lot of my financing came from Michigan Women Forward, uh, which is a, a big organization that does a lot of support throughout the state, actually, mm-hmm. not just in Detroit and southeastern Michigan. And so we pulled this off. These girls pulled it off. And then as the sort of infamous story goes that has been told and resonates as it should, um, is that I am a control freak. <laughs> I am a solo operation. I am mm-hmm. a bull in a china shop. I am a handful. Mm-hmm. Three women kind of rallied around me. I think I know the universe knew that I was going to need some help, but mm-hmm. I wasn't going to want it. Right. So ended up being my sister and an, another woman that I've known from another knit shop from 15 years ago. And another woman that is actually a part of a family that is lifelong friends of my family. She's a couple years older than me. So she's known me my mm-hmm. whole life. And my sister is older also. So all these people rallied around me. And at the tail end of things, we sort of started coalescing. And now I call them my board of directors. They We would get in the car, we'd make the drives, we'd go spy on other yarn shops. We'd talk about what, uh-huh. what we were going to do in the shop, what we wanted. You know, they were sounding boards. They gave me input. They, you know, helped put together fixtures. They did whatever I asked them to do. But the bittersweet part of that story is that it just happened fortuitously or not so fortuitously that all three of them were dealing with breast cancer. Um, and so as as I always feel compelled to say, there is the infamous trip. We were driving to Ann Arbor to check out a yarn shop. I was driving. They were talking. The conversation devolved into chemo and medical treatment and diarrhea and all these mm-hmm. not so sexy things. Mm-hmm. But they were having the conversation in a very open and frank and almost, you know, as jovial as you can mm-hmm. way. And I realized in that moment that I had built a community for these three women. And if that's all I did, I had met my goal because my pitch was that this was a yarn shop dedicated to positively impacting socioeconomic and racial diversity. My premise being that if we can sit with each other and do something that we share, we could then begin to see each other just as human beings. And once we respect one another fully as as full equal entities, we can easily elevate from there into some of the harder subjects and getting past stereotypes and mysteries and misnomers and all the other ills because the reality as, as a lawyer, I obviously am well exposed to the legal history of race and racism in America. America. Mm-hmm. And frankly, the role that the legal system plays in that is way bigger and deeper than most people believe. Most people don't recognize and realize how much the law has in the past and frankly, even today codifies and, and permits 
blatant racism. And so it's not going to get fixed by institutions. And Mm -hmm. you can't, you know, change the hearts and minds of people with guns and knives. You have people have to want to do better. So that was my premise Mm -hmm. was to create this place, you know, in this space. It was also to address if you're not a crafter. So I I will enlighten you and anybody else (laughs) listening that yes, even the, the wacky world of knitting and crocheting has a diversity problem as a race issue. I mean, it, it, it's, it's insane, but we, we do because they're, how do you get exposure? It's, you know, who knows who kind of mm-hmm. community for who becomes the celebrated designer, et cetera, et cetera. So we had that issue plaguing us as everyone um, in the summer of 2020 started to learn the, um, you know, what was going on as the onion was being peeled back in America, everybody was beginning to experience it. Yeah. So that sort of became my target, mm-hmm. but then, you know, but, but like I said, then I just fortuitously created community for these women with breast cancer who all happen to be black. Then I opened the shop and the shops in Detroit and Detroit's a really black city and there wasn't one. And then the article came out and unbeknownst to me, and I even had some people who weren't so happy that they added the fact that it was black owned. Obviously they didn't discuss it with me and they might've figured out that I was black. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) How does this happen? (laughs) Wait, she's what? What? I had to call my mother. Like, you should have told me. But um, they, you know, some people said, well, why was that important? I said, I don't know, but it is it is what it is. I will mm-hmm. say this. I'm, I'm not a Black business because I don't actually know what that is. I was just going to ask you. <laughs> I, I, I'm glad you asked. I don't know. I always say to people, I said, a shoe business sells shoes. A car business sells cars. Mm-hmm. What does a Black business sell? Mm-hmm. I think I know what you mean by that. And I don't like it. Right. What I am is a black owned business. And that is just the luck of the genetic draw. Mm-hmm. I am who and what I am. Right. So I'm a woman owned business because I identify as a sign, but mm-hmm. you know, to some degree, that's my choice. So that's what we are, but that's what we are is the coolest damn spot in the D right now. We, mm-hmm. we're hot <laughs> and that's how you found me because <laughs> we're hot. Yes, yes, you are. And we have gone a very long time and we haven't even mentioned the name of the oh. of the coolest spot in the D. So Parker please. Avenue. Thank Parker you. Parker Avenue. Now I, I oftentimes say, and it even says on the door now, Parker Avenue knits because Sally is all sort of low key. Mm-hmm. You really can't be low key when you're trying to sell things. People <laughs> need to like know what the hell you do here. Um, so I had to kind of, but I say to people, part of it is Parker Avenue, you know, you say Parker Avenue knits and people mm-hmm. say, oh yeah, okay. You're a knit shop and no offense. My crochet people do not call in, do not protest. I have <laughs> a ton of crocheters, a ton of crochet paraphernalia books, fiber, everything for mm-hmm. them. I do. I do not discriminate, which if you were a crafter, you would know that's a whole nother thing. Girl. I was just going to say, hour. is this, is this oh, a, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a thing. That's a thing. But we call it that. But I always tell people that and and on my hashtags with my, you know, eight followers or whatever on Instagram, Mm -hmm. I 
because we're not big. We're tr- almost to a thousand. <laughs> Parker Avenue did 313. But we, I say, you know, Parker Avenue lives, Parker Avenue loves, Parker Avenue knits, Parker Avenue crochets. When I say Parker Avenue knits, I don't mean it as a noun. It's a verb because okay. we're doing things. So it's, it's, it's part of what we do. Where does Parker Avenue come from? Okay. Let's see, which story do we give them? Uh, let's go <laughs> Again, started out as you you didn't want to name yourself something that wasn't copyrightable or trademarkable. So you yeah. didn't want to be, you know, something common. Evolved into Parker Avenue. It does so happen that I kind of, I'm an English major by trade, by okay. undergrad degree, pre-law. And Dor- there's a writer, Dorothy Parker, mm-hmm. who is, um, for those who don't know, look her up. She's kind of a badass. Yeah. Um, kind, kind of sort of like, you know, really. Um, And uh, she sat at the Algonquin round table with the dude. She started out writing, I want to say for Vanity Fair. That sounds Um, right. Yeah, she, she was, she's, typically described as a poet, although she also went to Hollywood at some point and did some screenwriting while she was out there. Her husband was a screenwriter too. She made more than him, but we won't Mm -hmm. talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But she also was a obvious, well, not maybe not so obviously white woman. Um, She was also a very ardent civil rights activist in her own way. When she was in Hollywood, it was during McCarthyism and the Red Scare. And she lent money and support to those who were being run out of Hollywood by virtue of the Red Scare. But she also was very, very involved in her own little way with um, racial politics in, and particularly in terms of the segregation and racism against Blacks in America during that time. She actually died in 1967. So she predeceased Martin Luther King Jr. by... Mm, less than a year, but she left her estate, modest as it was, she actually left her estate to Martin Luther King Jr., though she'd never met him. And uh, what happened, um, so she leaves her money to him. Obviously, shortly thereafter, less than a year later, he's assassinated and her ashes languished in a file in her lawyer's file cabinet. Because let's just say she she didn't have any children and mm-hmm. yeah maybe she didn't have a whole lot of friends at the end who knows yeah, you yeah. know kind of a beatnik kind of life mm-hmm. so she dies the lawyer doesn't know what the hell to do with them she didn't leave instructions so there's they sit in his file cabinet and finally the NAACP gets wind of it years later they contact the lawyer they actually retrieve her ashes and they interred them in their at their national headquarters in Baltimore. And actually in 2019, because she also left the NAACP all of her um, royalties and rights. Oh, so yeah, yeah, she, she, she did the damn thing. And, um, but then uh, what ended up happening is that family, like, where have you guys been? (laughs) But at some, at some 60 years, years, somebody stepped up and there was a legal battle over all of that. They finally kind of worked it out. And in 2019, she was re-interned in a cemetery in the Bronx that's kind of celebrated um, because she was born born and raised in New York. Okay. So uh, she, she touches on her existence kind of parallels 
hopefully not towards the end, but right. So, you know, but she, uh, she represents a lot of things that I really admire. And I even admire her obscurity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I do this with you and I've, I've done several of these now because I've mm-hmm. kind of been sucked into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, still not my comfort zone. <laughs> I, I don't, you know, I can talk about it because mm-hmm. it's a passion project. Yeah. So I can go for days and I talk a lot. Sorry, it's a birth defect. Um, <laughs> but, you are doing uh, great. Yeah, but I, um, but there's a lot there. So when people ask about Parker Avenue, I always, you know, just kind of look at them because I'm like, oh, it's named for Dorothy Parker. They don't know who she is, but yeah. they should. Yeah, they Every, should. Everyone should. Everyone yeah. absolutely should. And there is a lot there, and not just in the name. But I've known you for 20 minutes now, and I know <laughs> that 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 is that is my summation of of meeting you is that there's a lot there like it is my brain is processing or at least trying to and and to lead this in a way that is that is going to be not only interesting but informative and i just i'm i am in awe and genuinely i am i am so of course now this is this is great turn your interview all about me but i <laughs> I am I am genuinely impressed and happy that there are people like you on this planet right now, especially here as my neighbor, doing things and having those thoughts. Like it is it is one thing to sit back and go, you know what? I would like to do X. But we all know that thoughts are great, but it's not until you put some action behind that intention that anything is is ever going to happen. And the fact that you did all of this, you created this community, you met your goal, not only in an avenue that you were not anticipating or expecting initially, absolutely, but during a global pandemic <laughs> in a... <laughs> <laughs> There was like, of all this stuff, nobody, the pandemic was the least of our worries, but it's just, it really speaks to, to that passion behind that. And some of the, the photos, I don't work for the free press and, (laughs) and no one on our, on our podcast does either. So, but some of the photos that I saw in the article are, are really what drew me to you in, Mm -hmm. in a way of looking at whomever that photographer is and I apologize that I, I I didn't think ahead to talking about this so I will be sure to put it in the description of the episode but whoever that photographer was was really able to capture the vibe or the emotion that was happening in that store and there's one photo that stands out in my mind and there are a couple women sitting around and you are standing there and you are your hand is at your chest and you are in mid laugh and you can see the items behind you and you can, you know, you get a feel of what's going on in the store, but everything about that photo is warmth and empowering. And that was my takeaway from learning about your shop. And I am so happy that it exists. And I am so happy that you took the time to come and and talk about it a little bit with us. Absolutely. I will share this with you because this is, you know, a podcast and, Mm -hmm. and I want people to also have that feeling that this is, this is, it humbles me. So please, everyone take this as no brag, just fact. Mm -hmm. I have to keep telling people, why 
are you crying? It's yarn, people. Mm-hmm. This is a good thing. But <laughs> people come in. I They have called me a hero. They have called me a blessing. They have called me an answer to prayers. Mm-hmm. They have, you know, hugged me, brought me flowers, just you know, mostly strangers uh, Mm -hmm. sent me cards and everyone comes in and they just go, wow, this just feels so welcoming. This just feels so comfortable. Like I, I tell everyone the the photos that you see, you know, of people Mm -hmm. sitting around in in chairs and well, Hey, I failed retail 101. (laughs) I could, I could, I I failed. And, and, and I'm like, people don't send me, don't offer for me services. I know I failed. I Mm -hmm. failed on purpose. I gave up a lot of landscape in that shop to Mm -hmm. put in the living room, but that's because the community aspect of it was very important to me, was Mm -hmm. primary. I mentor young, I'm young, I'm whatever, however old, I don't care, Uh but I I mentor other entrepreneurs and I always tell them, I sent a kid, he is young. I said, you go home and figure out your why, because that's what people buy. Yeah. That's what people support. You can buy some wholesale yarn and put it up in a store mm-hmm. anywhere. You yeah. can, anybody can do that. Venture capitalists can back anything, your t-shirts, yep. your, your candles, your soap. Anybody can do that. What people really are buying is you yep. and your why. Yep. And, and that's what we latch on to. Um, retail is very emotional. It's mm-hmm. very necessary. We sit around in the shop. And I tell people all the time, I'm not cheap, but I'm cheaper than fair. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we, yeah. we we save lives. Sometimes yours, not ours. Because yeah. if we don't knit, we might hurt you. So, <laughs> um, you know, but there's proven scientific data about the stress relieving, the meditative process of the fiber arts, the memory, the muscle memory as you age, mm. uh, how it's good for the hand-eye coordination, how it's good for the brain function. It's real, and it's not your grandmother's knit shop as any. Everybody knows mm-hmm. that only knit shop with the DJ stand and the <laughs> DJ is, is there most Fridays. Uh-huh. Um, and, and we even have a, a Sheafy McFly, uh, original Sheafy McFly on, on the wall. I, I saw him, for those who don't know, he did uh-huh. the roller rink, the artist that did the big roller rink downtown, mm-hmm. uh, outdoor rink, um, really funky artist. And he's a character unto himself. And I ran into him Saturday night at a restaurant and he was like, Did you buy one of my paintings? I said, yeah, <laughs> just before I fell in the pool, but that's a long story. <laughs> But uh, we have that hanging there. We also have another piece hanging there uh, that is worthwhile for people to to research. And that is a piece called Detroit is Magical, okay. um, which which I spotted in when it was used as promotion by Shinola. Did not realize that it was a Black woman who had put that whole kind of poetic prose together. And I saved it and had it framed and mounted in my store. And I have not had the pleasure of meeting her yet. Maybe you guys will, mm-hmm. but the phraseology behind it is incredible. But it's true. Detroit is magical. It um, is. And I just, I'm just doing my part in my little corner. I don't take credit for any of this. The universe conspired. What I do take credit for is finally getting old enough and wise enough to calm down, get out of my own way and, mm-hmm. and be a vessel. So I appreciate you guys taking the time to ask a few questions and 
share it with others. I always yes. tell people, I don't, I don't do this for free advertising. I do that because every day I'm learning the good juju that we sell. People need it. And so they need to know, you know, where, where do they get it from? And you can get it in, in Rivertown where we're right near Shane Park in the Rivertown area. We're right off of the Riverwalk. So with the weather oh, changing, yeah. mm-hmm. I know people will be down in that area. Mm-hmm. Please come by, stop by, say hi. Even if you're not a fiber artist, just come in and, and, and feel the vibe. Yeah. I couldn't have said I'll it be better myself. For you. Yeah. No, that is, <laughs> I, I, that is absolutely, that is absolutely what we want everybody to do. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we will have links to all of the social media and the address and, and all of that stuff in the description. But yeah, hopefully as people do go experience it and, and continue to tell you how great you are and how great you are for doing this and for providing this experience, because you're absolutely right. Anybody can, I could buy yarn right now on Amazon and it'd be here tomorrow and I don't have to go to the store to buy it. But if I want to, that's what I'm doing. And that is, that is magical. So thank you. That was really inspiring. Yeah. I've never, I've never wanted to learn to knit until now. And, and I, after we spoke, uh, Scout's Honor, I sent a text to one of my nearest and dearest. And I said, do you knit? (laughs) She said, no. I said, okay, we're learning how, and we're going to go to Parker Avenue knits. Like I just, I have to be in this building and, and spend time with this woman. So I hope that all the rest of you join me as well. Um, As I was saying earlier about not being uh, stereotypically manly, I want to learn how to crochet so badly. Oh my gosh, we should go. After this, I not only want to learn how to crochet, I want to learn how to be a better person too. But like that blanket right behind you, my mom made that and out of just scraps of yarn that she had. And everyone in the family has a blanket that my mom crocheted and they're going to stay with us forever. And I want to learn how to do that and carry on the family tradition. Yeah. Parker Avenue Knits is the place to go to do that. All right. Let's let's do that then. Let's learn how to crochet together. Let's Let's start a comedian crochet circle. Yeah. Or a storytelling show. Yarns and yarns. (gasps) And we can do it while we're crocheting on stage. And oh... Oh, this is a thing. It is. This is, yeah, stay tuned, everyone. All we're, right. We're going to start selling tickets. Yep. So this week, we're going to close out the show with Alan Sloan. You can find Alan on Facebook, Sloan and the Filthy Animals, or alan.b.sloan.9. And this is Kaylee's song. Kaylee's song.